Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me all along my pilgrim journey. Lord, I want Jesus to walk with me. Amen and good morning. Welcome to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. No matter how you are worshiping with us, we are so thankful that you are able to join with us as we turn our hearts and our minds towards God this morning. Now, this is our last Sunday that we have before we begin the season of Lent, because on Ash Wednesday, we begin the season of Lent, which is a season of repentance. It's a season of spiritual discipline, and as we really make sure that we are fully connected to God, and so as we begin the season of Lent, we start with Ash Wednesday. And so we have an Ash Wednesday service, which will be fully virtual, which means you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook, on our Facebook page. And that is going to be at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. But before our Ash Wednesday service even begins at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night, we have two times when you can drive through the parking lot and receive ashes and communion to go. And so we are going to invite every 
and anyone to drive into the parking lot and to really circle around the same way as we do for the community dinners. And when a car enters into the parking lot, you can line up if there are others in front of you. I will go out to the car and I will impose ashes either on your hand or on your forehead. And so you can receive the ashes and then I will give you communion that you can take with you and then away you go and then together we'll worship at 7 p.m. virtually. So that is our plan for this COVID Ash Wednesday. So I hope and I pray that all of you will join with us. If you've never attended an Ash Wednesday service before, this is a great way to attend. It is virtual and it is a a beautiful service that's more solemn than our usual services. So on Wednesday at 7 p.m., join us online. And before that, come into the parking lot from either 12.30 to 1 p.m. or 6 to 6.30 p.m. to receive your ashes. And you will stay in your car. Please wear a mask when you drive up. I will have a mask on as well so we can both be safe. And then I will impose the ashes and give you communion. And then you can drive out of the parking lot. And now let us begin in a moment of prayer. Holy and gracious God, we praise you on this day. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us as we turn our hearts and our minds towards you this morning. Bless us with your spirit while we are here in this place. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Holy, you are still holy, even when the darkness surrounds my life. Sovereign, you are still sovereign, even when confusion has blinded my eyes. Lord, I don't deserve your kind affection When my unbelief has kept me from your touch I want my life to be a pure reflection Of your love So I come into your chambers and I dance at your feet, Lord. You are my Savior, and I'm at your mercy. And all that has been in my life up till now belongs to you. You are still holy. Affection. When my unbelief 
to worship. Let's go up the mountain. Let's go up to the place where the land meets the sky. Where the earth touches the heavens. To the place of meeting. To the place of conversations. To the place of voices. To the place of listening. Amen. Amen. Happy Valentine's Day, Bernie, and Happy Valentine's Day to all of our church friends. I got you something for Valentine's Day, brother. Open it up and try them on. Okay, hold on a moment. They look great! We're twins! Um, thanks, Bernie. I, uh... Love them. How cool is it that Valentine's Day falls on a Sunday this year? Because Valentine's Day is all about love, and you know who loves us most of all, do you? I sure do. But let's see if our friends know. Kids, do you know who loves us most of all? You've got it. God does. The Gospel of John tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. That's a lot of love. It sure is. And in the letter of John, which is different from the Gospel of John, we learn that God is love. And when we love others, God's love is perfected in us. Wow. We're really lucky to have a God who loves us so much. Yes, we are. And the best way to repay God for God's love for us is to love each other. 
Love is great, and so is our God. And so are you, kids. You're great, too. And even if you don't have cool glasses like we do for Valentine's Day, we hope you have a really, really awesome Valentine's Day. Enjoy the day, and know that most of all, God loves you. Have a happy Valentine's Day, kids. See you next week. And now let us light our peace candle. Holy and loving God, we light this candle. We light this candle and we pray for peace. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. We also pray for your peace to prevail on earth. May your peace spread through each one of us as your peace spreads throughout the kingdom of God. May there be peace on earth. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Make me a channel of your peace Where there is hatred let me comes from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. We will start with verse 2, and we will read through verse 13. We will now read the story of the transfiguration. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. 
And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwelling places, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. And then they asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah is indeed coming first to restore all things. How then is it written about the Son of Man that he is to go through many sufferings and to be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written about him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you on this day. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your Holy Spirit and with your power while we worship you this morning. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Now, it took me years to really understand the transfiguration, and even now I'm left wondering, what exactly happened that day? I really have this dream that one day when I'm in heaven, there's going to be some kind of movie theater where I can watch all of these events that we've read and that we've studied about, and so I can see what they actually looked like when they actually happened, and this is absolutely one of those events that I wish I could see with my own eyes, so I hope that when I get to heaven one day, I'm able to sit in some kind of heavenly movie theater and watch the story of the transfiguration. But even now with the brief words that we have in the gospel of Mark, I'm just left wondering what exactly was this like? What was it like on the top of the mountain that day? How amazing and how powerful was this transfiguration that James and Peter and John got to witness on that early morning when they were with Jesus? I mean, I like like to picture things. I like to imagine exactly what they were like, and yet the Gospel of Mark always leaves us wanting more. He tells us the story, but without giving us as much detail as we would like, and I just wish that we had even more detail. But we know that something majestic happened on that mountain that day. We know that something divine happened, something that I think that even the disciples had a hard time putting into words, because I think that that there's only so much that our earthly language, no matter what language we're speaking, can articulate when we're talking about divine things. But we know that Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he took them to the top of a mountain, I assume early one morning, early before all the other disciples awoke, early before all the crowds could come and gather around Jesus. Early one morning, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John to the top of a mountain. And they set off for a hike, a hike that was unlike any, any hike that they would ever experience in their lives. Not just one of those hikes where you get to experience a beautiful sunrise, but a hike that was even greater than we can imagine, a hike that was even greater than they could have anticipated. Jesus was leading the way up to the top of the mountain, and when Jesus got to the top of the mountain, something divine happened. The, the Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus transfigured. That means that something heavenly happened to him, that suddenly Jesus did not look like the man that they had been following, but Jesus looked like God. Jesus was shining with a bright light. Even his clothes became dazzling. He was just shining with a bright light, and his his being even seemed heavenly at that moment. And then as if that wasn't enough, suddenly Elijah and Moses were standing there with Jesus, talking to him on top of the mountain as he was transfigured in front of Peter and James and John who were watching them. Now, I, of course, have to wonder, 
how in the world did they know that that was Elijah and Moses? Of course, Jesus knew this, but how is it that Peter and James and John knew that those two men were Elijah and Moses who were standing on the mountaintop as Jesus was transfigured right in front of them? How did they know? Did they just somehow know? Did they just somehow have this knowledge that those two men were Elijah and Moses? Did they somehow have this divine intuition that told them who those two men were? We don't know, but somehow they knew as Jesus was transfigured in front of them in this majestic situation, this, this majestic scenario that we don't know how long it lasted. We know that they just somehow knew that that was Elijah and Moses who were standing there with Jesus. And I wonder how long this moment went on. I wonder how long Jesus was standing in front of them with his divine essence glowing. I wonder how long this scenario lasted for until finally Peter got a little excited and a little anxious and he couldn't help but say something because I think that Peter was the problem solver type of person and Peter also liked to take control as much as he could and Peter was witnessing all this and as Peter witnessed this magnificent thing happening right in front of him he couldn't help but try to solve the problem even though there wasn't a problem. He couldn't help but, but speak his own advice. He couldn't help but speak words of advice to the Son of God. He couldn't help but let his mouth get him in trouble. And so Peter, who's there with James and John, at the top of the mountain, interrupted this majestic moment interrupted this divine moment in order to say, uh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's uh, put up three tents, one for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. Let's put up these tents and, and let's stay here. Let's stay here forever. Clearly, this is a good place for us to be. By the way, I completely resonate with Peter here. I know my own mouth can get me into trouble sometimes when I can't help but say things when maybe I should stay quiet for a little bit longer. Well, Peter, he blurted this out that he thought that it was a good thing that they should put three dwelling places, three permanent structures in this holy place. And Peter ruined the moment. He completely ruined the moment. Suddenly, Jesus was no longer transfigured. Suddenly, Elijah and Moses were no longer there. And as if that wasn't enough, God yelled at Peter. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but God seemed to yell at Peter in a way that I think we'll understand even more in just a couple minutes. But, but God actually, from heaven above, yelled down at Peter for what he was doing, for his way where he interrupted a divine moment, for a way where he tried to insert his own knowledge and his own superiority, even over that of the Lord. The Gospel of Mark tells us that then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. There's even an exclamation point there. A voice from heaven, the voice of God, shouted down at Peter and told Peter to listen to Jesus. And the moment was over. Hmm. Now, if we are to just read this chapter alone, I think we're going to miss a lot of the story. 
If we just read this ninth chapter, and if we stop right here, and if we don't read ahead, if we don't read chapter 8 to find out what happened before, we are going to miss a lot of the story. Did you notice that as we began reading from the ninth chapter, that it said six days later? So almost a week had gone by since something else had happened. Well, do you know what had happened just a week earlier? Just a week earlier, Jesus had been with his disciples, and they were talking about who Jesus was, and Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you are the Messiah. And then after that, Jesus began to tell his disciples that he was going to suffer and that he was going to die. And when Jesus began to tell his disciples that he was going to suffer and that he was going to die, that that was the course that the Messiah was going to take, as Jesus started to tell Peter this, Peter became frustrated. And, and it, the Bible says that, that Peter pulled Jesus aside and rebuked. Jesus. Peter pulled Jesus aside and told Jesus to stop saying all these crazy things, to, to stop saying things that he was going to scare the other disciples. Peter had pulled Jesus aside and Peter rebuked Jesus. Peter thought that he knew more than Jesus did. And then Six days later, Jesus takes Peter and only two of the other disciples who we're not going to talk about today, but we could talk about them as well, James and John. He takes them up to the mountain and Peter again opens his big mouth. Peter again interrupts what is going on and Peter again tries to tell Jesus as if Peter knows more than Jesus does. Peter tries to tell Jesus what to do again. And that is when the voice of God shouts out from heaven, listen to him, listen to Jesus. Don't trust in your own knowledge more than you trust in Jesus, is what the voice of God says to Peter. Don't trust in your own arrogance more than you trust in Jesus, is what the voice of God is telling Peter. Listen to Jesus, is what the voice of God tells Peter. And of course, if we go back to when Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going to be killed and Peter told him to stop, if we go back to that moment, then we can understand why Peter was conflicted. Peter wanted Jesus to be king. So did all of the other disciples. Peter wanted the Roman Empire to be overthrown. So did all of the other disciples and all of the Jewish people. Peter wanted the plan that he had in mind, the, the plan that he thought that the Messiah would, would take, the, the plan and the path that he thought that the Messiah was going on. Peter wanted that to happen, not what Jesus was saying. But what Peter didn't understand was that his thinking was limited. What Peter didn't understand is that Peter couldn't see the whole entire picture. Peter could only see this small picture. He couldn't see the whole picture that God and that Jesus could see. He could not see the whole entire picture. So Peter was thinking about their immediate circumstance. And Peter wanted Jesus to become because that would relieve them from their immediate difficulties. But what Peter wasn't seeing was that Jesus' plan was greater than just one nation. Jesus' plan was greater than just one royal overtaking. Jesus' plan was greater than any of that because Jesus' plan was meant for the whole entire world. So God literally shouted from heaven for Peter to zip his lips. 
God literally shouted from heaven and told Peter to trust in Jesus. God literally shouted from heaven and told Peter that he didn't know what he was talking about, but that he needed to trust in Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, I once was kind of yelled at by God. I was doing something that that I shouldn't have been doing. I was doing something because my mind was stuck on an immediate situation, wasn't thinking about the bigger picture. And so my mind was stuck on something and not in a loud, audible voice from a cloud, but God still shouted down to me and said, Elizabeth, you need to stop what you're doing. So I really can understand what Peter was going through because I too have had to have God intervene and say, Elizabeth, you don't know exactly what you're doing. Elizabeth, you need to trust Elizabeth. Just let go of what you think you know and just trust in me. Even I have had to go through that before. So I really, really understand Peter because he, he got yelled at by God that day. But he got yelled at because his vision was too small. He got yelled at because he wasn't trusting in Jesus. He got yelled at because he, he thought that he had it all figured out when he didn't realize that God actually had everything all figured out. Now, I've confessed that I've been like Peter before. How about you? Have you ever planned on something and even if God or the Holy Spirit or maybe it felt like the whole entire universe seemed to be conspiring against you, telling you that your plan was not going to happen, have you tried to push that plan through anyways? Have you ever been like Peter before? Have you ever been like I've been there before as well? I know that sometimes we all get something stuck in our minds and sometimes we all have something that we want to do even if it does not seem to be in accordance with God's plan. We sometimes get these thoughts in our minds or our thoughts in our, these thoughts in our minds and we don't listen to people who are wiser than us and, and we don't trust in the power of the Holy Spirit that we have in us but instead we try to push things through even if they should not happen. I think we've all been like Peter before. Maybe we've all been a little stubborn. Maybe we all haven't trusted in the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and we haven't trusted in the guidance of the Holy, Holy Spirit that's, hey, that's in us. Maybe we've all been a little stubborn or pig-headed before. Anybody besides me and Peter that's ever been stubborn or pig-headed before? Maybe we've been like that. Let's just assume, as we talked about last week, that the Gospel of Mark was written by one of Peter's disciples. If that's the case, then Peter made sure to tell this story, even if it made him look bad. Peter told this story so that others could learn from him. And you know what I think we can learn from this? I think we can learn that it's okay when we mess up sometimes. It's okay when, when we maybe get a little stubborn and pig-headed and God needs to shout down from heaven and say, Hey, Cut it out. It's okay if we even go down a wrong track for a little while and it takes us a while to get back on the right track. I think it's okay because I think that the power of God is greater than any mistakes that we have ever made. I think that the power of God is greater than anything that we could ever do to mess up our lives. I think that the power of God is greater than we could ever possibly imagine. So maybe it's time we trust in God. Maybe it's time we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within each and every single one of us and that we allow that Holy Spirit to guide us. Maybe it's time that we try to witness the majestic in our lives. 
Maybe it's time for us to, to try to stop insisting that we know everything. Maybe it's time for us to kind of stop talking so much and to start listening more and not just listening to other people, but also listening for the power of the Spirit in this world. Maybe we can stop talking so much and we can step outside and we can witness the miraculous. Maybe we can see the beautiful. Maybe we can see the divine. For all we know, there could be powerful moments like the transfiguration, not exactly like the transfiguration, but there could be powerful divine moments happening all around us. But maybe we're too busy thinking that we know everything. Maybe we're too busy talking over the voice of God that is quietly speaking, asking for us to listen. Maybe we are too busy thinking that we know all the answers to quiet down and to listen. So as we begin the season of Lent, as we start with this Transfiguration Sunday, why don't we take a moment just to realize that maybe we don't know everything and to take a moment to repent, to take a moment to ask for forgiveness for the times when we've been a little stubborn or pig-headed to take a moment to ask for forgiveness, to take a moment to quiet our busy lives down and to listen to the still small voice of God. Let's take a moment not to blurt things out like Peter did, but to witness the miraculous happening all around us every day. Maybe we can take this moment to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. To trust in Jesus. Even more than we trust in ourselves. I think if we do that, we'll be on a good path to begin our spiritual journeys during the season of Lent. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, you are the only guide that we need in our lives. Help us, Lord. When we get so stubborn, don't be afraid to shout at us, Lord. We invite you to shout down and to tell us to listen. Lord, we thank you for all of the ways that you have been present in our lives, and we ask that you continue to be present. Be present in our lives. Allow us to feel the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Allow us to experience the divine in this world. We pray this all through Christ Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned 
to give. We thank you, and we ask that you give at this moment. And now let us pray. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. 
May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Where justice falls down like a mighty water And righteousness grows like an ever-flowing stream And mercy resounds like the waves on the ocean Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed There is a streams from the temple begins as a trickle but ends in the sea as it grows healing it will give where it flows everything will live where justice falls down like a mighty water and righteousness Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed. Wait in the water and feel the strong current. Remember the stagnance of still life before God is here. Leave the past behind in these clear waters. You Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed. Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed. Now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ. Go forth, be blessed, be guided by the Holy Spirit, and be a blessing to all. Where justice falls down like a mighty water And righteousness grows like an ever-flowing stream And mercy resounds like the waves on the ocean Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed There is a streams from the temple begins as a trickle but ends in the sea as it grows healing it will give where it flows everything will live where justice falls down like a mighty water and righteousness grows like an 